This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got a special return guest to the podcast. His name is Warren Farrell. So he is an author, political scientist, and activist. He has written several books to include The Myth of Male Power, Why Men Earn More. And the main focus of our last discussion with him on this podcast was his book, The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. That is on our 100 books every modern Christian man should read list. Great interview. That is episode 376 of this podcast. You can go back and check that out. He's described as the father of the men's movement, but he is also an expert at couples communication. And the main reason that he's on today's show is because he has a new online course called Rollmate to Soulmate, Mastering the Art of Discipline and of Love, or, or the Art and Discipline of Love. I think I messed up the name there, but it's Rollmate to Soulmate. And the, the cool thing about this interview is... I didn't get as much time as I would have liked to really dig into all the content beforehand, but he's so good at kind of describing what it is, what's the reason behind creating this online course, but it's essentially an online course for couples to take in a weekend or in a week or something like that. There's seven modules and we describe all the modules whenever we get into the discussion. But one of the cool things I did in, you know, in preparation for this is I put a question out there to my audience on social media and I said, look, if you could ask a couples expert or a marriage expert one question, what would it be? And so I was just flooded with these great responses. And so that's really the last half of this entire interview is we're getting into like, hey, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And I don't want to ruin any of the uh, questions here, but there was a very interesting and scientific question there towards the very, very end that I think will be worth your guys' time. So I'm not going to keep him from you any longer. So without further ado, let's get into it. Warren Farrell, welcome back to Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm looking forward to being here with you. You always ask such great questions and and are so thoughtful. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I love the the glowing compliments from the beginning because here's the thing. The reason why I got you back on is because I had to like beg you and plead you like, Warren, I know I'm not very good at this, but please come back on and talk to my guys. They deserve to talk to you uh, or hear from you again because they loved our discussion last time talking about the boy crisis. We've had a lot of amazing feedback on that, but you've got something new that uh, you told me about off air last time when we talked last year, but I think it's going to be a game changer and could be a game changer specifically for the guys in my audience. It's a, it's an online course and I'm just going to tee you up to talk about it, but it's called Rollmate to soulmate. And it's, you know, mastering the art of discipline of love. And here's the, here's the difference. We're all aware of those fluffy books that are going to fix your marriage or those marriage conferences that, you know, you come and hear some good speakers and hear some good ideas, but there's no actual tangible. Here's what you do. Here's, here's, if you're feeling distant from your, from your mate, here are some ways that you can, you know, take that distance away by communicating in a way that's, that's better. It's beyond knowing your, your, you know, spouse's love language, which is very important. It's beyond knowing their Enneagram or their, their personality style. It's how do we do this tangibly. So let me just kind of tee you up to talk about it. Where did the idea for rollmate to soulmate come? And then maybe give us a 30,000 foot overview of what it's like, and then we'll start digging in. Sure. I began to take an interest in this when I saw that the boy crisis was oftentimes, well, actually I've, I've been doing this for 30 years, but one of the things that sort of increased my interest in this was seeing that the boy crisis was often um, happened as a result of uh, boys Having being dad deprived. And then I looked at that and said, well, what was the dad deprivation often? What did that stem from? And it often stemmed from a divorce. And so I said, <coughs> what did, <coughs> excuse me. You're good. You and I were just talking about the throat issues. <laughs> of the, here um, we are. Yeah, here they are. Um, and so let's see. The um, And so I started looking at what, you know, what did the divorces come from? And some people were saying, well, we have to make divorce legally more difficult. I was saying that's sort of oppressive. Um, I'd rather make marriages happier um, psychologically. And so, but what 
would make marriages happier. And I started to, as I interviewed many, many couples and worked with couples and couples workshops for 30 years, I started seeing that, that marriages fell apart because nobody knew how to handle personal criticism without becoming defensive. And so the each each person began to start to say some version of, well, if I bring this issue up to my partner, uh, she or he will just respond defensively. Uh, the defensive responses will only lead to an escalated argument. And the last time I brought something up in all honesty, hoping to be uh, to say, solve the problem, it ended up be create, creating more of a problem. Mm. So everybody sort of feels like they're walking on eggshells and keeps their feelings to themselves. And uh, and before we know it, nobody feels heard. And women are feeling lonely and isolated and only able to talk to their women friends. Men are feeling lonely and isolated and only able to talk to, well, usually nobody right. uh, or a prostitute. And prostitutes that I interviewed said, you know, it was more likely that men would be talking about their need uh, for uh, to be understood. Um, then I started to see that in Japan, there were institutions called the snack. Uh, where a man who was working hard all day didn't have to come home and bother his wife. He purchased a snack for about fifty to a hundred dollars, and the, 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 he was paying so much for it because the Japanese a, a Japanese woman uh, was pay, was expected to listen to his problems, so he wouldn't have to bother his wife with them, um, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have to feel disgraced in front of his wife for having problems. And so I said, that's not very you know that's not that's an op- not optimal. Um, but the big thing was uh, was how to make happy marriages rather than um, just having boys be more involved with their fathers um, after divorce. And so I, as I began to look at that, I started to see that that it was the Achilles heel of all human beings to be to handle to become defensive when they were criticized. And so I started saying, well, what's that about? And I realized that historically and biologically, um, when we heard criticism, it was a potential enemy. So it was functional for survival to get up defenses if a potential enemy might have made you, or even better, to kill the enemy before the enemy killed you. And so, and so that was functional for survival, but it was totally dysfunctional for love. And so then I began to see how much of a problem I was up against, which was if something had uh, evolved for millions of years, um, you know, could I expect to make a change and, you know, and maybe make an evolutionary shift um, just from a workshop? And in a sense, the answer seemed um, like that would be ridiculous, but there really, I did, was able to find a way. And that was basically to have people temporarily, before they were criticized, begin to meditate into an altered state of consciousness in which before they heard their partner's criticism, they they went through six or seven mindsets. Mindsets like saying to themselves, if I provide a safe environment for my partner's feelings and fears, she or he will feel safer with me, which will allow them to feel, my partner to feel more loved by me. And a partner who feels more loved by me will feel more love for me. So you're beginning to develop an association of your partner's criticism with the possibility of deepening your love rather than um, feeling uh, like you're being attacked. Now that's just one of six or seven mindsets. But I ask couples, I um, work with couples to develop the discipline of before they um, listen to a criticism to have a time each week that I call a caring and sharing time where their partner um, takes the, the criticism or the fear or the feeling that they have um, and, they, uh, and they talk about, uh, and they, they, they first um, get into a very centered place where they're developing an association of the potential criticism with an opportunity to be more deeply loved. And of course, if you know that you're gonna be more deeply loved, you don't need to become defensive. You can become receptive. You don't need to sort of tighten up. You can sort of really relax because you know that what's coming next is a deeper amount of love between the two of you. I'm going to be doing this with my wife tonight on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And so because it always brings us closer. 
And so after 30 years of both practicing this personally and also uh, working on this in my workshops, I began to, uh, I, I did follow up phone calls with the couples that took my workshop and um, got all the, the, you know, the glitches out and was finally able to record um, uh, on uh, an online version of the course when um, Zoom cooperated to, um, uh, to, to come into the culture and into the technology. And, um, and so I put two couples through the course from beginning to end, um, had them um, ask questions and cross-examine me and um, say what did and didn't work. Although by this time, virtually everything did work. Um, and so that's now available. Um, so people can go to my warrenfarrell.com website and go to the couples communication tab and, you know, get a, a copy of the um, uh, a, a, a seven hour course, go through all seven uh, modules and, and do it with your partner. But what I found was that my talking my developing wisdom, what I called, you know, soulmate wisdoms, the name of the course is Rollmate to Soulmate. And so I call the wisdom soulmate wisdoms. Uh, there are 10 of them. And as I share the wisdoms with people, one of the wisdoms is the, is the paradox of, of, of wisdom, which is that when you hear wisdoms, they are very good for un the underlying foundation of of your of your um, your relationship, and they deepen that type of love. But I found that wisdoms disappear when criticisms appear, and so the workshop had to be based not on me telling people or giving people advice or the greatest amount of wisdom I've been able to acquire, but the but rather actually doing this experience with your partner. And it doesn't make any difference whether that partner is is a heterosexual partner or um, gay um, or um, you know it's couples, even parents and children um, have basically the same challenge that they don't feel that they can share criticism without being heard effectively, and so then I'm taking the course also and teaching people once they've taken the course how to be able to hear people who disagree with them. Um, who have not taken the course. And so that's sort of like a, a 36,000 um, you know, view of the, uh, of the, of the role mate to soulmate course. Well, I appreciate all that detail. And so there are seven modules. And so as I've heard you describe it, you know, it's 10 to 12 hours worth of content. You could do it in a weekend or do it, you know, one module a day for a mm -hmm. week. But this isn't something that guys, if you're doing this again, it's in the show notes, go and check it out. You can sign up, sign up for it. <clears throat> this isn't something like, Okay, you're going to do one module this month, and then when you get around to it next quarter, you'll do module two. Number one, you'll never get through module seven, and you you don't create any momentum, right, to, to go from one thing to the next thing. You've forgotten everything from the previous module anyway, so you want to do this in a, in a truncated period of time. And just indulge me for a second. I'm actually going to read the, the names of each one of these modules, and then I have a question. So module one sure. is find the gold, rediscovering your partner. Module two is introducing or introduction to appreciation and to hearing criticism without becoming defensive. Module three, part one of the deep dive into hearing criticism without becoming defensive. Part or module four is part two of the deep dive into hearing criticism without becoming defensive. Module five, from creating a conflict free zone to avoiding the four depleters of love. Module six, solving problems that require more than empathy and alone power. And then module seven, the three A's, appreciations, ask, and apologies plus psychological Aikido. Okay, so here's the thing with all those. There's going to be one of those modules that is going to trip up the guys that are in my audience. So you're talking to, you know, a, a kind of a, a rough crowd. You're talking to guys that, you know, maybe aren't the most empathetic guys. Some of the questions I was submitted for this interview today uh, have, have been really, really hilarious. But what is going to be that one that really maybe trips a guy up, you know, the module he needs to be aware of before he gets going into it? So one of the things I found is that that men are about as comfortable as a rule in a workshop on relationships as women are in a football field, and so <laughs> it's really, and so and and one of the reasons is that most therapists will listen to both the man and the woman, but therapists are selected for people who are sort of feeling touchy feely type of people, um, and they're drawn to that occupation, they're nurturer protector types of things, and so they tend to identify more with the female than the male. And so oftentimes the, the female will 
uh, feel very um, enhanced and um, supported by the the um, the therapist and the and the and the man will, will go away you know feeling like he's had, he now has two people against one and so this and so the and what happens with men when they do this couples communication workshop is that it doesn't really make any difference what i warren farrell feel about your issues it is your your wife or your partner your um, same sex partner it's her or his job to hear completely what you are saying and to not interrupt it, to be able to, um, um, to but, but more importantly, to feel emotionally like when you express your opinion that, that she is going to feel by providing a safe environment for it, she's going to feel more loved as opposed to feeling what we normally feel is that when I hear my husband or boyfriend's opinion, um, that that's a, and it's a criticism of me, I've got to start defending myself because I'm, gonna, I'm afraid that I'm going to be abandoned or deserted or criticized or just put down and it doesn't feel good. So I'm going to, I'm going to battle against um, having to feel worse than I already do um, by his criticism. And as a result, uh, there, then she comes back. So his criticism generates a criticism of him and then um, she withdraws emotionally um, or in other types of ways or sexually and and he says to himself well that really got me nowhere uh, except that it got me into a much worse place than i was before <laughs> so right. so you know we'll just let's avoid it so this um role mate to soulmate workshop is designed to get around that problem by guaranteeing that everybody will feel safe when they're being criticized. And then the guarantee is doubled by the person who is hearing um, the, the criticism, um, feel, uh, making themselves safe. You're not safe unless your partner is safe. So that's the first big issue. Um, the, 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 I opened the workshop with teaching both couples how to do what I call pan for gold pan for their partner's gold. Uh, the gold rush was not, the people who succeeded in it were not people that focused on the stones and all the non-gold. Uh, they were people who focused on you know, being able to have a really keen eye for wh what were the hints of gold, what were the, where, where the gold could be found. And so I'm, I'm, my, my training involves training you to see what your partner is doing right. Um, and, and, and then once you're trained to find that, to train to be very specific about it. So for example, let's say, uh, you bought, you bought your partner, um, begonias, uh, for the, um, uh, for val Valentine's day. And you're, um, so I would be uh, working with your partner to sort of think about those begonias. Now, is that something that you like? Is that one of your favorite flowers? And if it is to say, you know, thank you, not only for getting me begonias, but also knowing that they're my favorite flower. Uh, well, what was the type of flowers that he got you? Did he get you potted begonias? And and do you does he know that you like potted begonias because, or do you think he might know that you like potted begonias better than not potted begonias because you feel that um, uh, that that you like to have something around for a while rather than have it um, bloom and die. Um, and so if you think that that might be a possibility, you appreciate that he got potted begonias rather than just begonias as a whole. If did he get, um, what, do you have good morning sun? And you, maybe he knew that begonias flourish in good morning sun, or, you know, he says, um, you know, instead of saying, uh, you say to him, you know, thanks for cooking that dinner. Um, do you say thanks for cooking that dinner? Or, the, um, I teach the, the, uh, the art and the discipline of being specific. Uh, thanks for cooking the turkey. Thanks for making the turkey's skin crisp. How do you go about making that turkey skin crisps? Um, the, they were, the, um, the dressing was so moist. Sometimes the dressing is very dry, but this was really wonderful, moist dressing. Uh, what is the, what's in that dressing? It, it seems like there was spice beautifully. Was it parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, after, after you get over the Simon and Garfunkel part, uh, you go into <laughs> to other you know, dimensions of the um, yeah, of what was specific that you liked about about that. And so your your partner, when you learn to both pan for gold, that is find what you appreciate, 
and then you learn to be specific about the appreciations, it leaves your partner feeling seen. So remember I said that the, the subtitle of Role Mate to Soulmate as a course is the art and the discipline. So the art is doing things like being specific, but the discipline is also doing things like being specific because it's easy to think of something in general like, oh, you're a really great cook. And it's much harder to discipline yourself to think of exactly what there is that was great about that, that what you prepared. And then the other part of the discipline is setting aside a night, a, a week to do this. Uh, my wife and I do this usually on about a Wednesday night, and sometimes we get sloppy and do it Thursday or Friday. And um, and uh, we, we always have dinner um, together with candle candlelight whenever I'm in town or she's in town. And so um, we and, and so at dinner, uh, we will share um, usually three appreciations each. And we try to be more uh, specific about it, but we're still working on getting better and better at that. Um, and so that's uh, so it's a it's a never ending process of deepening your 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 art and discipline of being specific. Um, and so that's you know, so that's where so the wonderful thing about starting with the um, the art and discipline of being able to appreciate each other is that both the woman and the man are really coming into the course of being able to work on the tougher job of what I call the caring and sharing appreciation time of hearing your partner's criticism. It, it, it creates a really beautiful um, framework and um, a, a soft cushion um, to land the rest of the course on. When I think one of the first things that you mentioned when you were describing the course is the defensive posture. And obviously that comes through in a lot of these different modules, but the sense I get is that if you are panning for gold, if you're mining for gold, you're going to find more information that is useful to you to keep yourself from becoming defensive. Because if you don't know their motivations, whatever they say, you're going to be like, well, what's that supposed to mean? Well, if, if you, if you're listening and if you're an astute observer of what they're, you're, they're trying to communicate to you, if you know them, even at a deeper, more intimate level, then it's going to keep you from having, and you may be right. You may be right that they are trying to get at you with some sort of like, you know, underhanded comment or question, but it's going to, you're going to give them more of the benefit of the doubt, which is going to cause that defensiveness to come down a little bit. So if you're you know crazy Irish like me or something like that, you're not going to be as ready to fight. You're not going to be as ready to go in there and get after it. Now, Warren, in, in preparation for this particular interview, I knew I wasn't going to have a whole lot of time to to engage with the the content on Rollmate to Soulmate, but I knew that the guys in my audience, I, I was like, hey, if you could talk to a marriage expert or a marriage communication expert, what's the one question that you would ask them? And I was flooded with a bunch of great questions. And so if it's all right with you, I want to kind of shift gears to maybe some, some Q and a, and you know, all of these could, you know, could almost take their own podcast to really, really dig into the details, but I got a bunch of questions that, that I'd like to get into if that's good with you. So you good with digging in with some, some Q and a for the fans? There's nothing I enjoy more than, um, than responding to, um, sincerely developed questions. Okay. Sounds good. Well, this first one's from an anonymous person, so they must not be that sincere because they didn't want to give up their name, but it's like, okay, what if you and your spouse are growing and improving at different rates or potentially in different directions? And so hard to really know the context here, but if I were to read something into it, it's like, okay, maybe they're getting better at, you know, learning or, or intellect, and maybe you're getting better at business, or maybe they're getting in shape faster than you are. Maybe that's not really your focus right now. So you're growing and improving at different rates, but also potentially growing and improving in different things. Like, what do you do there? Is that okay? Is that healthy? How do you make sure you don't grow apart? I guess would be what they're asking. Yes. And so the answer to that is you want a safe space for you to be able to say exactly that to your partner. Hmm. And, um, and so um, before you do share that though, uh, normally speaking, when people hear something like that, they sort of hear, Oh my goodness, is he, is he talking about a possible divorce? Hmm. Is he, um, you know, and all the fears um, come up. And then if that, if that's the case, should I get a lawyer? And so she's talking, you know, she's thinking that while well, you're, you're um, talking that, and that's exactly what you're afraid of. That makes you afraid to bring that up to begin with. And so the, the, the first thing to do is the, is to work on the care, the, the caring and sharing process that I've developed where, um, that where your partner is totally seeing that creating that safe space for whatever your view of the world is, um, that, that is, um, <coughs> that that's what she wants to, she or he wants to create a safe space for. 
And there's, and the, the most important thing is that after your partner says what she heard, let's say it's a she heard you say, and, um, and then, um, and, and asks you whether they've distorted anything and if they've missed anything or if they, and you've asked them if they wish to add anything when, when they've said everything that they need to say, um, and you've not distorted it or, um, and, and you've heard, um, not missed anything and, and, um, and asked if they wanted to add anything, then there, the, your, your partner, um, has fully heard you then you listen to your partner's response. And one of the things that I work with is making sure that you have no expectation that your partner's view of the world, that is because your partner um, heard you perfectly, does not mean she or he will have a view of the world about that issue that is like yours. And hmm. so your your job will be to, to, to maybe hear uh, that you know your partner feels like you're not growing apart at all or you're growing apart and they've been worried about it for, for years or you're, or they're growing apart and you're growing in a way that your partner feels is, is not where she or he is at, um, in, in life and in the world. Um, and even though you can both understand, you know, why you're growing apart, um, that, that is, um, that's sad. Um, and maybe this needs to end in a divorce. Well, maybe you don't feel it should end in a divorce. Um, but my experience is, that when people feel heard and seen and their story is completely understood by their partner, even if it's a very different story that they um, ag um, don't agree with, um, they feel really much more comfortable about that. They find some way of doing another thing that I talk, uh, train people to do in the workshop is that once you feel like your partner is compassionate and understanding you, you're much more willing to develop win-win concrete decisions uh, that allow you to both work with what your different ways of, of going are. are. Um, you know, and we, we see this with, um, you, you see this so often with somebody might be wanting to, is, is totally, um, like for example, at night, um, I am put, made into relaxation, put into a relaxation state by going uh, deep into some type of um, um, experience where I learn about what the universe is about or some, some I'm introduced to some intellectual topic that I know very little about. And that really stimulates me and I feel really good about that. My wife uh, needs to watch something that is um, that is a story that is, um, that is uh, particularly if it's a female hero, uh, that, you know, that, um, that makes her feel inspired. Um, and, and that just, um, allows her to immerse herself in that and go to sleep more easily. So we work out a way of making that happen for both of us in a win-win set way, but it's so e much easier to work out those win-win ways, uh, when you're feeling, um, good and understood about each other. Um, you know, what maybe one night we watch it her way, one night we watch it ours, uh, one night she takes a bath and, um, and reads a book that uh, gives her a wonderful story while I, while I do, while I watch one of my Nova type of shows. And so, um, mm. that's, you know, we, we work out uh, those types of, 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 of things. But if we think that the other one is basically, uh, moving away from us or making us wrong, those positive win-win situations do not um, do not work out. Okay, very good. I appreciate getting into that detail. The next one here is from a fan named Eric, and it's this. How do spouses lovingly encourage each other to be better without stoking defensiveness and ultimately rejection of the advice? So this is kind of the defensiveness that we were talking about earlier, and it really relates to the last question as well. Like, you know, obviously there's the other person in the relationship may be very, very sensitive to, to any type of negative stimuli of any kind. And so how do you lovingly do that without just getting like a rubber stamp rejection right from the beginning? Right. That is, it is not any of these things. The last question and this question, those are not biologically natural things to want to hear mm -hmm. uh, because the moment your partner says something like, you know, um, you're encouraging them to do better advice is so there, there's a, there's a gap between the critic and the criticizer. The person who's sharing something like advice never sees themselves as criticizing. They see themselves as giving good advice, the best intent of which 
is to make the relationship closer, better, more powerful. But the person hearing that advice hears any people hearing almost any recommendation on the part of their partner for any change in behavior or attitude experiences it as criticism and it creates inside of that person a greater distance. That is why before you hear your partner's suggestion, um, you don't say to yourself, oh, this is really a good suggestion which will make my partner better um, because your partner is going to experience it as criticism. So before your partner hears your suggestion, she or he has to meditate into an altered state where, as I uh, mentioned before about uh, where they're saying to themselves some version of, if, um, if I provide a safe environment for my partner giving any description of a situation that he or she wants, my partner in that safe environment will feel safer and therefore will feel more loved. I, I will feel more love for him or her because I feel safe to be able to say whatever I have to say. I don't have to worry about it being too angry. I don't have to worry about it being distorted. I don't have to worry about it being inaccurate. My partner's job will be, be by the time I speak just to provide a safe space for my story of the moment. Once you're, I say of the moment with emphasis because once your story is shared, you don't always agree with what you said. Mm. You might be really angry at your partner, which might indicate a desire to be with somebody else or just to go off and see, uh, take a trip by yourself or see your family and not be with your partner or um, you know, or have um, more free time or independent time. But by the time your partner feels heard, their, their intimacy feels greater. Everybody wants more intimacy. So the conclusion after they've told you they want more time away from you and you've heard them, they no longer want more time away from you. Mm. That is the magic of, 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 of leaving somebody so fully heard and, and, um, and that you are working, you might say, okay, so what I heard you say was this. And your partner says, well, actually a little bit, sort of like that, but a little bit different. And, you, and then the, your partner clarifies what she or he was trying to really say. And you go, well, no, no, I, I, that's what I said. That's what I meant. Right. No, you, you, I, I, what I work with you to do is to not say that's what I said, that's what I meant but rather to continue working on a um, saying what you feel your partner said until your partner says, that's exactly what I said, I, you got it. You never say to your partner, I understand, I got it. I understand, I got it is a polite way of saying shut up. Mm. Uh, your partner is the person to tell you she or he feels understood. You don't tell your partner you understand until your partner hears that you do from from what you from what your interpretation is that she or he feels completely understood and so it's that type of process so the what what all the questions here are not um, I can give you substantive answers as to what's often happening but the solution is in in knowing how to hear your partner's version of what is happening and not have your partner's version happen to be the version that Dr. Farrell says is probably most likely to happen. Yeah, it's funny. When you said the phrase fully heard, I've heard myself do that here recently, just random. Like I've been in these, you know, conflict arguments, not with my spouse, but with other people. But before I respond, I will even ask them, do you feel as if you've had a sufficient and ample opportunity to to tell me everything you want to tell me? Like, is there any detail that you wish you would have said but before I ask you any questions? Just to kind of like, hey, are you know, maybe you looked at my nonverbals and saw that maybe I was tuning out. And like, you know, it's just like, hey, I want you to feel as if you've been heard. But again, I haven't done that with my spouse. So, so that's really interesting to kind of think of it in that paradigm. So I will say, uh, Warren, whenever I read this next question, I immediately laughed out loud at how simple it was. But then also, I, I just feel this guy's pain. But J-Mac asked, why is just calm down 
not working. So obviously this is a guy that uh, has told his wife from time to time, hey, just calm down. And shock of all shocks, that almost never works. It actually tends to send your spouse in the opposite direction. So why is the good advice of just calm down not always received very well? It's almost never received well. Yeah. Um, because it's basically you saying to your partner, you are doing something wrong. You are, uh, and and so your partner feels like she or he, let's say she, is not only not being, that, that she is not only not being heard, but so every, inside of your partner is a whole bunch of feelings and fears um, that is making them not calm. Your job is to provide a safe environment for those feelings and fears to be expressed. And when, when, they're when the expression of those are, are finished and you say, you don't say what you were saying before about, is there anything else you wanna say? That's very good. But the first thing you say is, so sweetie, what I hear you saying is, um, and by the way, you don't do this without, you know, doing the meditation first because it's not biologically natural to be able to hear your partner's upsets, especially if it involves a complaint about you, uh, without uh, without getting without altering your natural defensive state first, and so you so uh, so when when she's really all excited, the the thing to say or do is is meditate into an altered state, and that's what I teach you how to do in the Rollmate to Soulmate course. And you, you both go through this together so you know how to do this and you're both on the same um, track of doing this. But the first thing you would say uh, in that after you've heard your partner's perspective is, so what I'm, is this accurate? What I'm hearing you saying is this. And then everything that's made your partner upset that, she or he, that she's shared with you, you say to them, you, you say what you heard them say. And then you say, Did I, is there anything about that that I distorted? And then when your partner says, well, yeah, you distorted this, you don't say, no, I didn't distort that. You don't argue with that. You come back and you keep working on it until your partner says, no, you got it exactly. And then you ask your partner, did I miss anything that you said? Because you may have, you may have not distorted anything, but you may have missed an important point. Um, and then, then you go through that same process when your partner says, yes, I think you missed this. You don't say to your partner, uh, well, I actually said that. No, you keep working on it until your par partner says, great, that's exactly right. You didn't distort it and you didn't miss it. And then you ask your partner, is there anything new that you'd like to add? Because if you don't ask that, then your partner often feels like, you know, I, I, I have to get everything out in one um, shot. Once your partner knows you're going to be asking, do you want to add anything? They don't feel the pressure to have to say everything that they're thinking and keep uh, mumbling on until uh, they get to, they stumble on everything. And so that's um, um, and so then your partner will you will see will not only calm down, but the more upset they are. Here's the really important point: the more upset they are, the greater the opportunity for you to provide a safe environment by listening to them, and the more relieved they will be that that when I'm upset, no matter how upset. Even if I'm swearing, um, that that my partner will move into a place where he will hear me, and that creates such extraordinary safety, not only for the woman, but for the man who oftentimes learns to repress feelings rather than express feelings, and then um, and then oftentimes explodes in a volcano. Uh, that's uh, that's something that he regrets. Well, that's a good, uh, your answer to that is a good reminder for me. Like I'm the get to the point guy. Like when I'm usually talking with other guys, it's like, like get the marbles out of your mouth and just tell me what you need to tell me so that I can move on. And sometimes I will take that into my communication relationship with my wife and shock of all shocks. She's not super appreciative of that way of doing that. It's like, she wants to take her time and she likes to chew on what she's about to say just for a second or two before she says it. Whereas I'm like stream of consciousness, I'm going to start talking now. And so it's like, you know, one of those things to just remember to slow yourself down. Now I found this, this next question It's a very simple question, but I, I thought it was very interesting. This is a question from Sean. What makes a husband worth submitting to? 
And so obviously the majority of our audience is a Christian audience, so conservative audience. So we're talking about the heterosexual dynamic, obviously, of communication. And under the Judeo-Christian ethic, there is this um, complementarian view that both men and women are equal in the eyes of God, but they've been given different roles. And one of the roles that a man has been given is headship over his household. And the biblical dictate to the woman is to submit to the leadership of her husband. Now, sometimes your husband's a jack wagon, and it's going to be really, really hard to submit to that person. But let's let's talk about the ideal, since you know there's plenty of brokenness in a post Genesis three world. Let's talk about the ideal. For the ideal husband, what what is that husband like to make him very easy to submit to and worth submitting to? He is somebody that you know you're always safe with, that you can say and be who you want and need to be, and he'll be there for you. That's the ultimate protection. Mm. And when women feel protected and loved in that way, they are very, submission becomes something they desire to do, not something they're doing out of obligation or out of role. And um, this is so important, this question, and what your Christian audience, a more uh, highly Christian audience is asking, that I asked a minister who I really felt was wonderful to take my entire couple's roadmate to soulmate course and tie it into scripture to create a Christian version of it. So if you go onto my couple's website, um, on my, my warrenferrell.com website, and you go to the couple's communication course, and if you're Christian and your orientation, get the Christian version of it, which takes scripture and says, here's what God says, uh, here's what Jesus says is ideal, and then shows how the course is actually teaching you and your partner to do what the scripture says is ideal. So it's basically turning the, 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 um, the scriptural advice and guidance into your actual mm. life. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll make sure all that's in the show notes, guys, so that you can easily find that. Uh, another question that was interesting, Warren, was this one. And I, I guess all of us are looking at things like, okay, let's say I screwed up all this advice. Warren, you're so smart. If I just did what you told me to do, my life would be so much better. But here I am being an idiot again. And now you're after the disagreement. So you've had your kerfluffle, you've had your hubbub, all the things went poorly. And here's the question. How can you have a better, quote, after the disagreement, unquote, conversation? So the disagreement has happened, the conflict has happened, but you, you can't just go silent. Obviously, I know you address this in your course because you can even see from the titles, but as opposed to just going inward and only talking to yourself and only having an internal dialogue, how do you dialogue with the person that you were you know, just at their throat a second ago? Yes. Well, if you are 100% apologetic, um, then you can do it pretty much anytime. An apology is very easily experienced um, by anyone in a positive way. Um, and, and, and women know that it takes a lot of, and men know that it takes a lot of courage to apologize. Um, mm. And so, so that's, that's an easy one if what you want to do is an apology. If you want rather though, to you wish you don't feel your point was heard. That's part of what made you angry. That's what made the kerfuffle um, sort of so um, damaging. Uh, then you want to go through a whole series of other processes. First, you, your goal is to have a safe environment for you to be able to hear your partner and your partner to hear you. If you've had a dispute, you, uh, there's almost 100% guarantee that, that your partner has not felt completely heard probably interrupted, argued with, and so on. So you want to get to that place. Um, but while you're getting to that place, um, you know, one of the things that you do in the, in the caring and sharing um, um, in the workshop is something called the caring and sharing time. And so the discipline and art of, a, of, um, of communicating well, of love, is to be able to set aside each week a time to share, to do this caring and sharing time. So you and your partner have just had this um, stressful sort of argument, but you have on the calendar a time when, be, um, let's say it's Sunday morning uh, or, or Sunday afternoon, uh, you come back from church and you, you, and, and you have a time set aside where the two of you uh, will both be able to hear each other to deepen your love and to share whatever you were, whatever you were um, 
whatever you were doing, uh, your perspective and hear your partner's perspective. However, what do you do in the meantime? And so part of the couples communication course, the Rollmate to Soulmate course is, is um, doing a whole series of things that you do, can do in the meantime. First of all, you can move the caring and sharing time up, but before you do that, I teach you how to journal. So, and so for example, there's four steps to the journaling. Uh, step one is to write down 100% why you are right and why your partner is wrong. Hmm. It's what I call the self-righteous stage. That's <laughs> what I was say, yeah. <laughs> and then number two, step two is, well, just one thing that your partner said that maybe um, you could have acknowledged or that you, now that you're calmed down, that you hear your partner has a good point there. The number three is as much as you as you can possibly imagine that your partner says that you can agree with or at least see a portion of correctness in it or value to it. And then the fourth is to write it as if you were your partner, completely empathetic with your partner's perspective. And so um, that's one of six tools to maintain what I call a conflict-free zone. 166 hours a week. Um, and so the, 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 the way that I ask you in the uh, Rollmate to Soulmate course is to divvy up your week into two parts. Part one is 166 hours of conflict-free time. And part two is a caring and sharing time where you and your partner are hearing each other uh, completely and fully. But in the meantime, I work with you to do a lot of other things, um, praying, um, and, and asking God for guidance and for, um, for, for direction and for inner peace. Um, doing things like uh, something that it's very, people never think will come out of my mouth, which is a fake it till you make it. Um, I tend to be very genuine in my orientation. Mm. But faking it can be valued. So for example, um, you go out and you buy your partner flowers and you, even though you're upset with your partner, you've just had an, a, an argument um, but in the process of buying your partner flowers, you in your mind anticipate your partner feeling touched that you brought, brought her or him flowers. And, um, and so that anticipation of your partner feeling touched or grateful or relieved um, makes you start feeling less anxiety yourself. And so your own um, anger calms down in anticipation of your partner um, feeling, um, feeling loved. Another, another example of how to maintain the conflict-free zone is um, I get you and your partner to choose the music uh, that you feel is most romantic um, for you that makes you always feel more loving to your partner and to put that into your Spotify or whatever type of um, um, music arrangement you have. And then also the music that makes you feel most upbeat and energized. Um, sometimes just dancing with your partner in a really upbeat way or dancing by yourself in an upbeat way uh, makes you feel really, um, it gets, changes the energy, it shifts the energy. So those are some of the uh, ways that I um, work with uh, couples to maintain a conflict-free zone uh, while they're waiting for, while they're visualizing a time when their partner will hear them as opposed to figuring out a better argument you can give to your partner and slip in at some point, which will only reinforce uh, the escalation of the, um, of, of the argument and therefore the problem and the, the decrease in love. Okay, very good. Well, hey, we've covered a lot of ground and I know uh, you, you got to go here in just a second, but I tend to like to end my interview with the best, most earth shattering question that I could possibly come up with. And I wasn't even able to do it this time. It was Brian Sumner. So last question of the day, we really need your expertise. Which way does the toilet paper go? So, you know, you know, some people like, you know, you got the husband likes to pull from the top. Maybe the wife likes to pull from the bottom. But I know that creates a lot of consternation and issues in marriages. So so which way in your in your clinical experience, which way does the toilet paper go? Well, this is a good example of that. There is a technically accurate answer. And and that accurate answer is um, completely. Without. Need to know because it ignores what you need to know, which is you, what you, you, most people would risk their lives to die, to make, to save their partner's life. And yet they would argue which way the toilet paper goes. <laughs> so uh, the, and so what you really want to know 
is what pleases your partner, what makes her happy, him happy. Um, and if you if if your partner wants the toilet paper from the top, uh, you might share that you prefer it from the bottom, uh, coming out from the bottom. Uh, you uh, you might share that toilet paper designers, right? I mean, if you know, here's where if you know a lot, you can get in trouble. So I know that when toilet paper was invented, the patent required um, suggested that it gets pulled from the top. Is the, um, so do I make that argument or yeah. do I hear that? My, I, do I hear, <laughs> do I hear that the most important quote argument is not an argument, but rather hearing what your partner, who you would probably risk your life to die for, um, would how she or he would like the toilet paper. And so you might, this doesn't mean you have to always do what your partner says, but you need to hear that that makes your partner happier. In, for whatever reason, and there isn't a there, and and then you might negotiate in the behavior change part uh, with your partner. Well, why don't you know you use this bathroom more frequently? Why don't we always put the toilet paper the way you like it in that bathroom? I use this bathroom more frequently. You create some type of win-win solutions, or you know January we have it this way, February we have it this way, um, and so on. And so it's so important to remember that the best answer is not the intellectually correct answer. The best answer is knowing how to hear your partner's desires and needs. And that probably most people, especially men, will take a, a will, if their partner is about ready to, to die, they would take a risk, a 50% risk of their life to save their partner's life, um, even at the possible expense of their own. And if you would take, if you would die so your partner will live, then maybe it's not too much to put the toilet paper the way your part makes your partner happy. So Warren, the question or the answer I heard was uh, you'd pull it from the top or you're a communist. So I think if we, if we yeah, kind of distill all that down, I think that we would get there. But uh, Warren, I, I really appreciate all your wisdom and all of your insight on all these questions. I'm so happy for you to have this new course out there again, guys. The name of the course is Rollmate to Soulmate. It is in the show notes. But as for now, that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? <laughs> it's been wonderful talking with you as usual and you know, I, I love your vibrancy your energy and um it's it's just always um i always feel when i come off of uh, talking with you that i feel even more energy myself well very good warren farrell thank you for coming back on undaunted life a man's podcast absolutely all right, there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed the return appearance of Warren Farrell on the show. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the links I got for you today, I've got a link to Warren's website. I got a direct link to the Rollmate to Soulmate site, so you can check that out. I've got a link to his amazing book, The Boy Crisis, and a link to his previous appearance here on this show. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah